Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it is so good to be in church today. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Hey, um, if you are a guest with us here for the first time, welcome. We just want to welcome you today. Um, we are so glad that you're here with us. And can we welcome everybody who is online with us today? I see a few folks at home. You who are on the beach or on the lake, but if that's you, it's better to be here. Uh, but hey, welcome. We're welcoming you guys today. I'm so grateful to have you. If you are a guest, maybe it's your first time, second time, third time, we'd love the opportunity to connect with you. And so sometime uh, during the course of this service, I was going to say text the number on your screen, but it's not there. Um, so I'm kind of programmed that way. But I believe it's 919 296 0908. Yes. And so, <laughs> text the word connect to that number. That would be awesome. That'll help us to connect with you. But stop by the Orange Tent after this service is over because we'd love the opportunity to, uh, to shake your hand. Man, if you can see what I see, this is so beautiful. This is awesome. I'm seeing so many people who I've been able to connect with, and now I'm seeing you here, and it's really cool because I know that you've been out of town and you've been doing your thing. And uh, thank God for summertime, right? It's a time where we're able to chill, to relax, to take it easy. And um, do I not have a mic anymore? That's okay. Um, so we're trying to make sure, guys, that we can, um, you know, we lost power. And so we're trying to make sure that the folks who are with us online will be able to hear us. And it's not like a kung fu movie. You know? <laughs> you want to fight me? <laughs> And so we want to make sure that we also have audio for when people try to go back and listen to our messages. And so uh, that's what we're doing right now. But in the meantime, in the meantime, let me scan the room for a moment to see is, uh, is Madeline Benson? She's helping with kids. Can somebody snag her for me? Is it possible to snag her for me really? Emma. Can you snag Madeline Banasek for me one for one moment? Just have her come over here real quick so we can put her on the spot if we could. <laughs> so we'll do that in just a moment. Um, so what we had was um, this young lady crushed it yesterday. All right. And so, um, you know, her parents, Megan and Wes, and um, they, they help out in our worship. And so they were like on social media and they were so proud and they had that proud parent moment. And I'm like, that's what's up. Cause I had a proud pastor moment at that time. And so I'm like, okay, I think this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make sure that we honor her today because um, she did some significant things. I don't wanna really let the cat out of the bag, but if she's gonna take a moment, is she there? And I already had you guys stand up and greet one another, so I can't really delay too much more. Am I doing all right? I'm stalling okay, I'm stalling well. You have a story. I got a story, but I'm saving that for my message. Yes, I do. Say it again. How was your week? She's tired. How was my week? My week was wonderful. All right, come on in here, Madeline. Hey guys, put your hands together for Madeline. Alright, so 
This is Madeline, everybody. And so let me read what she did. These are her accomplishments. And so yesterday, online, I just so happened to come across this post by her parents on Facebook, what well, Katie did and told me about it, and <laughs> said that yesterday, Madeline is the fastest swimmer in all of Durham for 11 to 12 girls in the butterfly. <laughs> Coming in at 30.45 seconds. She's also the fourth fastest swimmer in all of Durham for the freestyle in the 11-12 girls division at 29 seconds. And she's the third fastest swimmer in all of Durham for the backstroke for the girls 11-12 bracket at 34.91 seconds in the backstroke, ladies and gentlemen. I just felt like when I was kind of running through what we were going to do, I feel like you need to get used to this. I feel like you need to get used to standing in front of large crowds. All right? So just take that in the name of the Lord. We got you something small, a little Starbucks gift card so that you can have coffee with your parents or, or mom, dad, whatever it may be. But we just wanted to say that you're awesome, we love you, and keep up the good work. As you can tell, man, I, I, I love athletics. If you want to bless me, man, show me something good, what that kids are doing in athletics. If you're coaching, I'll come see you coach. Like, I just, I just love athletics. I love the game. Hey, well, I'm excited because we are in part two of a series that we started last Sunday called Much Love. And I don't know if you were here, but we came out of the book of John chapter number 13, I believe it to be verses 34 and 35, I believe. I'm quoting off the top of my head. But Jesus had something interesting that he said. He said, this is how people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. And so we titled our series, Much Love. And so for these first two weeks, we're speaking about a loving church. And then we're going to transition into the loving people that make up the church. And I'm so excited because last Sunday, if you were here, I took a microphone and I began to walk around in the crowd. Um, I was kind of sad. The, the best reference I have is like a, a Jerry Springer, but I didn't want to say Jerry. You know, so I don't know, some Lori? Who, who's walking in the crowd these days? That's probably even worse. Never mind. Anyway, I took the microphone and I went out. And what we began to do is we began to ask everybody, why is it? that you like coming to Generation Life Church? What wakes you up in the morning? What causes you to want to get out of the bed, to get yourself together? Some of you takes a little longer than others to get together, right? And then to get your children together if you have a family and to drive all the way to church in the minivan or whatever vehicle you may have. And you know, sometimes that can be the most stressful trip like in the whole world, but you do it anyway. And you're awesome for it. And so we went around the room and we began to ask what you love about the church. And it was so encouraging to hear everybody's responses. And so we put that on the backdrop of a statistic that I shared from the George Barna Group. From New York, it's hard to say. George Barna Group. And they are a research organization that has been studying church trends for like over 30 years. 
And so they polled about 10,000 people all across the nation. And they asked them about church. And so there were some responses. And as a result, they polled people who went to church and who don't go to church, believers, non-believers, some who used to go to church and said, I'm no longer going back. Asked them, why is that? We found that 70% of the churches in North America are on the decline. 70% of churches in North America are on the decline. That means as you drove on your way to church, maybe you passed by 10 churches. We, we are blessed with churches in this area and all around our nation. That means the seven out of the 10 that you pass are struggling right now to keep their doors open. They have people who have said, you know what, church is really no longer relevant in our lives. I don't think I'm gonna go back. And of that 70% that caused the churches to be on the decline, seven out of 10, the majority of those people are people that are in their 30s. They're millennials. How many 30-year-olds do we have in here? People in their 30s, go a hand up. Thank the Lord. There you go. So thank God for the 30s that are here because it's becoming, becoming a rare thing to have those who are in their 30s, that millennial age. And so we began to dig into it a little bit. And so we found that there were five reasons why people said church is really no longer relevant for us. And I had a fancy slideshow presented for you and stuff. And so you'll just have to take notes. But the number one reason they said, they said, first of all, they said that the, uh, the church is, is not relevant. The leaders are hypocritical. And there's too much moral failure among the leaders of the church. Therefore, I'm not going back. That's hard right there, especially for a leader of a church. Um, and so they're like, you know what? They're not practicing what they preach. They're not preaching what they practice. And because of that, I don't, I don't want to go back. And, and man, I mean, what happens if I'm struggling in an area of my life with my marriage? Am I going to go to that leader that has had moral failure to receive counsel? And therefore, I don't feel like I can sit under that kind of leadership. Therefore, I'm not going to church anymore because of moral failure or because of hypocrisy, or, or just not even feeling like church is relevant. Uh, another reason that was used, uh, the number two reason, they said, um, they said, oh, God is missing in the church. God is missing in the church. They're like, man, we're coming to church. It's a really cool vibe. Like, it looks great. I mean, people are nice, people are friendly. They were jamming, you know, like, they were rivaling the club. I mean, it was, it was a cool experience, but it just didn't seem like God was in the building, though. Or if you come all the way to the other side of the church, where it's more traditional, they're like, you know, it was a beautiful place. Padded pews. They had beautiful stained glass. I mean, have you ever been in one of those old churches like that? I love that kind of experience, to take you back to the roots of, of Christianity. They were like, and it, was, it was great, a great experience, but it just didn't seem like the church was alive. It seemed like the church was dead. We're, we're wondering, where are the young people? Where are the young families? Where's the, where's the future of the church? Number three reason, they said. They said it just seemed like, uh, they said, uh, 
legitimate doubt is prohibited. Legitimate doubt is prohibited. They said, because I may have difficulties in, in, in my faith, maybe I'm starting to develop relationships with other people who are of different beliefs or of different faiths, and I'm coming across questions and I'm wondering, hey, pastor, can I talk to you about this? But it seems like that was taboo. Like, you shouldn't even be really asking this kind of stuff. Like, how do we know Jesus is the only way to heaven? Can I have a conversation with you about that? How is it that good things or bad things happen to good people? Right? Pastor, can I talk with you about that? But it seems like I was kind of dismissed. Like, it seems like I just don't, can't really have that kind of conversation. And if that's my experience, well, then there's no way as a 30-something I'm going to invite my friends to come to church. Because if they come and they're treated in the same way that I have been or they have the same experience that I have, they're going to be coming with different beliefs. They're going to be coming with issues that they're dealing with. They may have different beliefs in, in, in religion or in, in philosophy or in their worldview. They may even have issues in, in their identity. They may even be struggling with sexual identification. Am I going to trust them to come to this place? Well, I love them too much, so therefore I probably won't even invite them to come here. There was a fourth reason. The fourth reason they said is, it just doesn't seem like we're learning about God. In church, I'm like, wow. So I began to think a little bit, my goodness, what would cause somebody in their 30s to feel like they're, and it's not just people who are in their 30s, that was just the majority. What would cause somebody in that age bracket, though, to say, I just don't feel like I'm learning about God in church. And I thought to myself, this is probably, I'm, this is not what the study said, but I'm thinking, I don't guarantee a good portion of those 30-somethings are those who have gone to a university, those who have gone to college, community college, wherever it may be. And at that college, I'll bet you they encountered people that were contrary to their faith. They found people that were agnostic. They found people who were atheists. They encountered professors who, who were uh, opposed to Christianity and were doing whatever it could, they could to possibly talk them out of that faith. And in that moment, they found out that they don't know why they believe what they believe. They weren't able to explain it to others. And most importantly, they weren't able to defend their faith. And they looked and they said, man, I've been going to church my whole life. But it just seems like, I don't think I'm really learning about God. Or what about those who haven't gone to college? What about those who are just now getting out into the real world and are starting to see, man, I've got friends who, who, who are Muslim. I've got friends who are Buddhist. I've got friends who, who are Hindu. And I'm finding that they know their stuff, but I really don't know mine. I guess I'm not really learning that much in church. And then the one that I thought was was probably one of the greatest, was the fifth one. And they said, I just can't find community in that church. People are moving to the area. They're moving to, to a new place. They're trying to find friends and relationships, and they're going to church, and they're like, I just can't, I just can't connect with anybody. It just doesn't seem like I'm, I'm meeting new people. You know, one of the, I didn't even want to say it, but one of the, the main things that is said about many Christians is that, is that we're judgmental. And so they don't feel like we're approachable in many respects. 
Um, I told you a story, I think, uh, months ago about a friend of ours who came to a campus that we had in Wake Forest. Her name was Melissa. And she began serving on our team. And um, we found out after she had been coming for like six months, she shared her experience. And she said, um, the reason why I come to this church is because when I got here, you welcomed me right away and you made me feel like I was at home. And then she said, and you remembered my name. And then we were like, okay, that's great. We put our hands in, hey, that's awesome. And she said, and, <laughs> and she said, and then she shared her experience of a church that was not too far from ours. And she said, I went to a church that a friend of mine invited me to. She said, and I went there for three months and nobody ever said hello to me. That's 12 Sundays of walking in and nobody ever saying hello. I was like, well, how did that, what did that look like? She was like, well, people see you, they just kind of look at you, give you a smile, turn around and talk to their friends. Like, she, she said, there was no way to find community. Here's what the George Barnes study said at the end of it. They said, nobody should be able to out-community the local church. Nobody should be able to outdo community like we do community. And so I want to just pass a little bit of vision for you this morning. And I want to tell you something that we started last Sunday called House to House. It's in the book of Acts, chapter number 2 and verse 42. Anybody bring their Bible today? Yes. All right, you got your cell phone at least, right? You don't need power for that, a generator for that. Um, Acts 2, 42. The word of the Lord lets us know that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That they, let me go to it, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. I can't memorize every single thing. Continued in the, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Nobody should outdo the local church when it comes to community. And so that little phrase in there, house to house, is something that we want to do at Generation Life Church. We launched it last week. And uh, what this is, and by the way, shout out to everybody who said you were going to host and everybody who said you were going to attend. Yes. And here's what's really cool about this. They broke bread from house to house. One of the strengths of the early church was they never had to go outside of their fellowship to be able to have their needs met. They could do it all in-house. They still loved their community. They reached out to their community. But, but they were able to have their needs met because they took care of one another. If somebody had need, somebody would sell something. I caught you all. <laughs> if somebody had need, and, and, and somebody would sell something and they would share with someone else. This is what house to house is. House to house is us coming together and sharing a meal together, period. That's all it is. That's all it is right there. It's, it's saying, hey, I'll share a meal with whoever opens up their home. I'm willing to go and just to hang out together, just to develop relationship, just to develop friendship, just so that we can get to know one another. And so uh, if you, let's see if I can get this right. If you text, you know what? If anybody is interested, here's, here's my dream. My dream is that we would be able to accommodate as many people as God sends to us. We believe he wants to grow our church, but we also want to be good stewards of the growth and to say, Lord, we all know one another. 
We're, we're, we're all in each other's lives. We're all there for one another. We're studying the word together. We're breaking bread together. You guys remember uh, Bishop Peter, he came two weeks ago. He said, what if God sent a thousand people here? And last week I kind of broke that down. And I said, man, if we could just, if we could just get 100 houses, we probably almost have 100 in this room. If we could just have 100 houses, we could accommodate and have 10 people in each house. If we could do that, we can accommodate a thousand people. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. I mean, that would be so cool. And we could go to the Lord and say, Lord, we're stewarding, stewarding well what you sent to us. And so house to house is just getting together. And we want to know, would you be willing to host? Just open up your house, cook a meal. Anybody a good cook in here? All the good cooks don't want to raise their hands. Right? I can cook a little bit. Spaghetti is my, my thing. Ramen noodles, that, that's my thing. Right? So, um, but yeah, we just want to have a meal together with one another. And that's all. You come together, say a little prayer over the meal, and then just fellowship. And so if that's you, I want you to take out your phone right here on the spot. You don't have to hold it in the air or anything like that. I want you to text 919-296. 0908, and I want you to text the word house. Just the word house. Just the word house. Nothing else. Just, no, don't type in J-U-S-T-H-O-U-S-E. I mean, like, just house, H-O-U-S-E. <laughs> I typed in just house. It didn't work. 919-296-0908. Uh, house. And what we're going to do is we're going to collect everybody's names. We're going to group you guys together with houses. And we're going to make sure that we have a book of Acts chapter number two church. Listen, our church is based upon the book of Acts chapter number two. Like our vision is from there, like specifically. And so we just want to continue to model what we have seen. Because we believe God is calling the church back to its roots. The success of the local church all throughout the scriptures was because they stayed true to the roots of the church. And that was the love of Christ demonstrated to one another and to others outside of the community. All right, so we did the negatives. Why don't we want to take a look at the positives? Nothing worse than just somebody giving you bad news, isn't it? All they want to do is give you bad news and then no solution. That's the worst. Let me tell you what's wrong with this church, you know? It's like, how would you fix that? Well, I haven't thought about all that, but you guys, that's what you get paid to do. Hey, so this is what your response was to that, uh, to those five reasons why people don't come to church. We flipped the script and said, tell me, why is it that you love coming to church? And I wanted to run through these because um, if you don't know, if you missed the message, you can go to generationlifechurch.com, and there you're able to listen to last week's message, the previous week's message, all the way back several months. But this is something you won't hear on there because we weren't able to pick it up at the microphone and I wanted to share this with you because this is gold right here. This is what you said about the church. And if you're a guest with us here, I'm thankful that you're here today because I'm praying that you would hear this and say, you know what, this is the kind of church I'd like to be at. This is the kind of church I've been looking for. So check it out. Number one, first thing they said is, is someone in the crowd said, we feel God's spirit when they come to GLC. And that's exciting right there. Especially on the backdrop of somebody saying, hey, I don't feel God 
is there. I feel like God is missing. And people are saying, hey, when we come to GLC, it just seems like we can feel God in this place. Like when we walk up the sidewalk, we can feel God's presence. When we're in the sanctuary, we can feel God's presence. We've had people say they feel like they connected with God just in, in the worship set alone, just during the worship music. Not even a, a word preached. God's movement. They feel God's spirit. Here's another. People feel like this is a church for all people. That's really, really important. A church for all people. I was going to say focus to the screen and read the vision statement with me. But I don't have that on the screen. I'm trusting, though, by now, everybody's got it memorized. <laughs> hey, why don't we try to say our vision statement together that starts with, we are a life-giving church for everyone. You know that one? Um, let's see if we can say it together, all right? I'll say it nice and loud, so if you're not there, we're kind of there. All right, here we are. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you are looking so confident. You got on like that multi-stuff and you're like, but you got it back and it looked good. It looked good. That's what's important. Sometimes you just nod, you know? Hey, listen, when we say we are a church for everyone, we're saying you don't have to clean up who you are to come to church. We're saying you don't have to, you don't even have to believe the same things we believe in order to come to church. You're welcome to come, right? That doesn't mean now that we're not going to change what we believe because you have different beliefs. That, that's, not, that's not what we're about. The mission changes, the methods change, but the mission always stays the same. I got an anchor over there, and I was gonna tie a rope around me. I'm not gonna use that illustration, though. Sorry about that, Stutz, because I didn't want to tear up all this over here. But, but I wanted to show us that we're gonna stay anchored to God's word. Amen. What's important is that we preach the word of God. We open the doors wide for anybody and everybody that wants to come, but at the same time, we're going to stay true to the Word of God. Listen, culture will always change. We can't base our foundation on culture. We, we base our foundation upon the Word of God. We're anchored to the Word of God, right? Amen. That means our decisions are made by what the Word of the Lord says. And so we're going to stay anchored to God's Word. Amen. And so that's crucial. Here is what I hope that many will find when they come. I'm gonna, I told the, uh, the connection, uh, not the connection, but the first impression. We haven't figured out a name for our greeters yet. But for our greeters, uh, perhaps first impressions, front of the house, whatever. Um, we said, when people come to our church, you know what we want them to feel? We want them to know that they, they have been fabulous. The fab, F-A-B, all right? That they, that they um, I said that they are what? Uh, oh, love, laugh, that they are laugh. That they are loved, that they are accepted, and that they belong here. We want people to know that they are loved, they are accepted, and that they belong here. So we are a church for everybody. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 So check this one out right here. This is another one. Somebody said, feels like family. Feels like family. 
That's the thing that we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose that family feel. That's why we want to have house to house. That's why we want to do as many things that we possibly can together. That's why we do potlucks. That's why we do as many things that we po- as we possibly can so that we can grow large yet still keep that same family feel. Here's another one. Somebody said the kids' ministry. Anybody in here have children? Throw a hand in the air. The kids' ministry is awesome. We're so thankful for those who serve in our kids' ministry. children's ministry, all right? Like, they, they could use help. If, if you're willing to serve one Sunday out of the month, if we had a bunch of you, we would say, would you serve once every six weeks? We would we could just use uh, some people who would say, I'll help in, in the ministry for children. That would give the opportunity for our workers who are in there just about every Sunday um, of the month. Sometimes they get one Sunday to come in, but they usually run four Sundays but, but always three. And so that would give them the opportunity. If you would like to do that, please come see us. We would love to be able to plug you in to our kids' ministry. Here's another one that's so crucial. People reach out. People reach out to one another. We said that the way to close the back door of the church is to check in with one another. People are checking in with one another. Hey, how you doing? Just wanted to see how your week went. Just wanted to see how you're feeling. I know you had a surgery. Hopefully, we're not overlooking you. We're not missing you because we're trying to be as intentional as possible to make sure that we check in with one another. Here's a biggie. Authenticity. Authenticity. And they said, we recognize that we are real people. We have real issues and that we we need a real Jesus. Like nobody's perfect here. This is the perfect place for people who are not perfect. <laughs> you, you're in the right place right here because we all recognize, listen, that if it had not been for Jesus, man, there's no telling where we would be. Thank God for Jesus in our lives. And so we're just authentic. We're just going to keep it 100. We're going to be real. Say, listen, we're real people. We need a real God. And you're more than welcome to be a part of it. Here's, here's the last one. Humility, uh, humility of leadership that shows us how to serve. I appreciate that. And there's others who are leaders. I think everybody who is on this stage is is leaders. And everybody who is working with our children and our students, that's all leaders. And there's humility uh, of leadership that has been recognized by the congregation. And to that, I'll I'll speak on their behalf and say thank you. Thank you very much. Whether you know it or not, just about everybody on this stage has been burned by church. Just about everybody that's on this stage each week is part of that 70% that said, you know what? We're not going to remain that 70%. We're going to do whatever we've got to do. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to forgive if we need to forgive. We're going to go after Jesus because this is his church and he died on the cross for this church. And so we're thankful for you. All right, so... um, let me share a scripture with you. We're going to land the plane. Uh, Mark chapter number 12, verses 30 through 31. Mark chapter number 12, verses 30 through 31. 
Um, I wanted to be able to, 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 to boast about what the Lord is doing at Generation Life Church. Right? I, I wanted to be able to, to, to praise God for all that he's doing in our midst. Here's another thing that I wanted to communicate, and that is some unspoken goals of our church. What you heard was great intel from you that says this is the reason why we come to church. We want to replicate that, right? We want to continue this so that we can keep GLC the way it is. Have you ever had your annual review? Anybody ever had an annual review? Have you ever had your annual review or buy-up and they, they, they grade you based on information you had never heard before? <laughs> right? Like, the reason why you're not getting a raise is because you didn't do this, this, and this. You're like, this is brand new information. Like, what do you mean? It would have been better to communicate the expectations and goals on the front end because then I could have worked on those things so that I know if I'm hitting the mark. Church, this is how we know if we're hitting the mark, by what we just communicated. The strength of the early church, the secret sauce of the early church was the love of Christ demonstrated to others, to one another and to others. So let's hear what the scripture has to say in Mark chapter number 12, verses 33, 34. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. There is no commandment greater than these. Mm -hmm. Man, that is so powerful. When I was at uh, Elam Bible Institute, um, college I went to, and Katie and I went to, we had a preacher that spoke at one of our chapel services. And uh, we used to have a chapel like every single day. Then on a Tuesday, we'd have a president's chapel. This preacher came and he spoke and he came out of this text and he told the story. And I'm going to try to not chop it up. I'm going to try to not inflame like a preacher's story or anything like that. I'm going to try to keep it, keep it real. But he told the story of this text and he said there was a new pastor that was hired at a significant church. And so it was a very large church. The congregation was excited. And when he came, he opened up his Bible and he came to the pulpit. They had already had a great worship service. The host came up, said, we're so glad that you worship with us. Welcome, first time guest. Went through the announcements, said, now we're about to introduce our brand new pastor. Would you put your hands together? Put their hands together. Pastor comes up to the pulpit, opens up the word of God. Comes out of Mark chapter number 12, verses 30 and 31, where Jesus said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. But I want to place great emphasis upon verse 31. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Closed the Bible. Had a word of prayer. Amen. Exited the stage. Host comes up. Wondering what's going on. Said, uh, put our hands together for pastor, everybody. Worship team comes up. We're going to have one more song. Worship leader's done. God bless you. Have a great week. Week two comes up. Pastor comes back to the pulpit. Host says, thanks so much for worshiping with us. Glad you're here. Welcome first time guests. Went through announcements. Put your hands together. Second week, pastor's coming with the word of God. Surely he's going to preach the word today because he only shared a scripture yesterday. Pastor comes up. Opens up the word of God, comes out of Mark chapter number 12, verses 30 through 31, says, Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
and I want to place strong emphasis upon verse 31. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Closed up the Bible, had a word of prayer, exited the stage. Third week he comes up. You're about to run a revolution if this man doesn't preach this time. He comes up and he said, the reason why I only shared and placed strong emphasis upon verse 31, to love your neighbor as you love yourself is because this is the strength of the local church. We want to make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. To love your neighbor as yourself. So in following suit, I feel like I want to have a prayer, close it up, and say love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think I will leave that, actually. Um, <coughs> hey, um, I want to shift gears for a moment. I want to ask the band if they would, if they would come up for us. Um, and, and I want to do something today because as I was preparing this message, as I was preparing this message, I feel like there, there are, are those of you who are in need of prayer. And one of the things that I wanted to pray is I know that we, we are in need of healing. Some of us need healing in our bodies. There are some of us who, who need a, a miracle in our bodies. Uh, there are those who may have been hurt by church who may have been burned by church, who would say, you know what? If we were real honest, I think I might almost be part of that 70%. You know, I, I've, I've, I've been disappointed. I've been overlooked. I've been burned. I, I have come and I have experienced leadership and it wasn't what the scripture said. And for that, I need to forgive somebody today. I need to exercise forgiveness in my heart today because I've been disappointed by leadership. Listen, if you want to talk about somebody who's been disappointed by church leadership, you can look at my wife and I. From my mother-in-law having my father-in-law pass away and, and, and the church was there for a little bit, kind of, and, and that's, that's a tough experience all by itself to then having our own experiences with church and, and with church leadership. And let me just start by saying, on behalf of the leaders of that church, I want to apologize on their behalf for what happened to you. I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you were wronged by church leadership. I'm sorry that you were used. I'm sorry that you were burned. I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry that you were disappointed. Listen, they were men and women just like us. Don't hold that against them any longer. Forgive them in your heart. Thank God for your experience because whether you know it or not, somehow God is able to make all things together work for you according to what you And so I want to ask you, would you be willing to forgive the church leadership for what they have done to you? And if that's you, oh, I'm going to ask everybody if you would stand up. I want to uh, go before the Lord and, and worship. Uh, but if that's you, as we begin to sing, as we begin to worship, I'm going to, um, Jeremy, would you come and take this for me? I'm going to stay up here at the front. And 
um, I'm going to be willing to pray for anybody that, that would like to have prayer. Maybe you're like, you know what, Pastor? I hear what you're saying, but I'm having a hard time. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this this Sunday. I'm going to need prayer so that I can possibly pray about forgiving those people. I totally understand me. But I just want to let you know we're here for prayer. Or if you're sick in your body, whatever you may need prayer for, I'm going to let this worship team, they're going to sing a song over us. And then I'm going to come make my way back up to the front. But during this time, I want to ask, would you search your own heart? You know your experience. The Lord knows your experience. And so I want to encourage you, go before the Lord as they sing this song over us in Jesus' name. And as they do, search your own heart. Say, Lord, search my heart. If there's something on the inside of me, let me know. And I'll be up here to pray for you. Come on, let's worship together.